0: Welcome to the Open Door Policy. Each week on this podcast, we sit down with a different guest and talk about a letter. Archbishop Vigneron's Unleash the Gospel Pastoral Letter.
1: Let's do it. Let's talk about it. Be about it. Each
0: guest we have on this show we think is living it out in a new and exciting way. So today we're going to talk with a great couple who have six children and who are doing their best to help make their family a domestic church. So we're going to have a great conversation with the Ponce's, Ariel and Kelly Ponce.
2: Kelly, Ariel, welcome today. Thank welcome you. to Thanks Open Door. Us. Open Door Policy. Yep. Here with Father Steve. Um, we are going to start out rapid fire questions. 20 questions. You are you guys, ready? Just go for it. Are you ready? Are you ready? Born ready. Do you think ready. you're
0: ready? Born
1: ready. All right.
2: Okay, here we go. Number one. What did you eat for breakfast? Egg in the hole.
1: Uh, Six kids, trying to get out of the home,
2: (laughs) What is something you remember from your grandparents' house?
3: Uh, My grandma, my maternal grandma, she would decorate for Christmas, like the entire house, like ceiling to floor, Christmas, like Bronner's.
1: Um, My grandma, she lived in an apartment, so I remember the pool. So we go to her pool. The
2: pool? Aww. yeah. What is your favorite fanslash musical group? Boy vey. Um that's a really tough question. I would say
3: here I can answer like what I'm currently listening to. Good. Um Elevation Worship's new album. Oh, come.
2: Are you guys morning people or night people? We are 24 hour day people because we <laughs> have a large family. <laughs> I'm
1: a night person.
2: Yeah, um, When before, before the six kids, when you were children yourselves, what was your dream job? You're like, this is gonna be the thing.
0: Marine biologist.
1: <laughs> um, I wanna be an Air Force pilot. <gasps> All right,
0: thank you. All right, Ariel, you're gonna start with these if you would please. What's yeah. one thing that really annoys you?
3: Don't look at right. me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Shot fired. <laughs> um,
1: smelly things. Smelliness. Oh, yeah. Got it. Air,
0: uh, Kelly.
3: Loud chewing. Great. Yeah.
0: So you guys just went a road trip, okay, for the weekend. Where are you going, and who are you going to take with you?
1: Ariel. I'm going to Grand Haven and taking Kelly. All right. Kelly. I would
3: say the Grand Canyon and take the whole family.
1: Right.
0: Uh, What's one thing that's been on your mind lately? What's something you've been thinking about?
1: How do I get my kids to heaven?
3: Oh, Ariel. Um, (laughs) Well, I've been thinking um, about uh, bagels, like round the clock.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Ariel, what is your happy place?
1: Probably the bathroom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is the real rapid fire question. All right, Kelly.
3: (laughs) Um, I would say like... The first thing that comes to mind is 5.45 in the morning, coffee in my hand, like still in my bed in prayer. That's like, I love it. Awesome. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah.
0: Ariel, what's the last photo you took?
1: Um, we were in uh, Cranbrook with Family Picture. Kelly?
3: Um, I took a screenshot of meme. Great. <laughs>
1: <Like>
0: <laughs> what would you tell middle school Ariel?
1: I'm proud of you. Keep keep doing what you're doing.
0: What would you tell middle school Kelly?
3: I would say be brave and have hope.
0: So uh, your house is on fire, all your kids are safe. What are three things you'd grab before you
1: leave your house? A couple relics, um, our hard drive with all the pictures, and... Probably a a mosaic of uh, Our Lady.
3: Okay, but the kids are already out. Kids are out. All the
1: people are safe.
3: People are safe. Um, I would get probably, there's one relic in particular I would grab. Um, Also, the family Bible that has like family history in it, the genealogy and everything. Um, And then a blanket.
0: Uh, Ariel, who in your family had the biggest impact on your faith?
1: I would say my mom.
0: Kelly my mom
1: Ariel, who's one of the
0: first people you met who was really just sold out for Jesus
1: I would say her name is um, sister Marita now she's a sister for life great Kelly
3: this has taken me back like a long ways um, probably um, there's a priest named Father Michael that really was the first one yeah great.
0: And give me an award you won in middle school or in high school,
1: Ariel. <laughs> um, I won class uh, president. When? <laughs> uh, in, in eighth grade. Eighth grade nice. class president. <laughs> Kelly?
3: <laughs> I won um, like a singing talent competition.
0: <laughs> when?
2: W- several. One in like
3: sixth oh, sab-
0: grade, several. ninth okay. <laughs> grade. Hard to count all those. All right, go ahead, Danielle. On. Um,
2: <laughs> I'll start with you, Kelly. When was the last time that you cried? Uh, let's see.
3: Well, you know, I'm kind of an ice queen, so gosh. Oh, actually, on Halloween, my older brother told me that they're expecting their first baby, so that Yay. did make me cry. Yeah, yeah, that did make me cry.
1: I think same. I was, I was teary-eyed when when I heard her brother, Yeah. and uh, our sister-in-law was... having a baby baby, the big
3: news
2: what is your favorite movie of all time Um,
3: I like um, it's a wonderful life
1: what is it you want Barry what do you want you you want the moon just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around and pull it down hey that's pretty good idea you know I like um, I like Braveheart
2: (laughs) Um, if you weren't in this line of work that you are now where would you be I would probably be working in a parish.
1: Uh, I would like to maybe run a business. I like, um, I talked to my wife about this. Maybe open up a chicken shack. uh, (laughs) Evangelization (laughs) or chicken shack. I would like, you know, uh, I could cater a lot of the Archdiocese events. Yeah, (laughs) you
2: know. um, If your life was made into a movie, what genre would it be? And who would play you? Okay, obviously it would be
3: comedy. Um, and it probably would be someone told me once that um, I looked like Barbara Streisand, wow, which was equal parts insulting and flattering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say her just to be
2: funny, yeah, 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 that'd be a great comedy, yeah.
1: It would probably be action adventure because hmm. uh, a couple people have approached me and said I look like The Rock, so. finally,
2: The Rock. Let's
1: go Probably back. action adventure or uh, Moana's dad. Moana.
2: And there's
3: a whole ocean. We
1: have one rule. An
3: old rule when there were fish. A
1: rule that keeps us safe. Oh.
2: <laughs> it would be a cartoon. cartoon. <laughs> it would be a Moana's dad. <laughs> yeah. If you were, uh, oh, are you? Would you consider yourself more of a dog person or a cat person? 100
1: percent dog. 100 mm-hmm. percent dog. Dog and dog. Dog mm-hmm. and dog person. Cool. All right, mm-hmm. that made was rapid fire questions. Okay. Thank you.
0: So, Aria and Kelly, we'd love to hear about uh, just how Christ has been part of your relationship, how you guys came to know Jesus, and what it's been uh, like as you grow your family together, build your life on Christ, and um, your story about what it means for you guys to be joyful missionary disciples. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: When I met Kelly, um, I was at a point in my life where um, I've already met and encountered the Lord, and I was already... In love with him, and I was just discerning what his will for my life was going to be. And I was in a good place. And when I met Kelly, um, I met her through a mutual friend uh, at Mass. And um, our first conversation together was um, about St. John Paul II. Uh, back then, he wasn't even um, a blessed or. Well, was he, he was, dead yet? It was his first anniversary okay. of, of, of death. death. Yeah, death. this okay. was on the Easter Vigil in Ypsilanti. So that was like the conversation that we had first on on how much we missed um, John Paul II.
3: What about like before though? Like, you know, briefly before you, before we met and kind of the how you came to know the Lord?
1: Okay, so um, I grew up, I'm Filipino, so I grew up in um, a culturally Catholic family. So um, we knew our Hail Marys and our, our fathers. And um, it, just like what Archbishop was mentioning a little bit on in Unleash the Gospel, that um, it, was co- it was common. It happened in my family where my parents sent me to Catholic school. And um, I learned my Catholic faith through um, going to St. Raphael and even going to U V D Jesuit. So um, what— well, my mom taught us like the basic prayers, but it really wasn't, um, you know, my parents sort of said, well, we're going to send you to Catholic school and um, that's how you're going to learn your faith.
0: And that's their job. At and the that's Catholic their school, job. Right? Yep.
1: Yeah. And um, so when I let, when so it's like, I got all the uh, sacraments and uh, got confirmed. And after that, um, there wasn't really any reason for me to, you know, continue to seek the Lord. I was just going through the motions in high school. Um, the priority was athletics. The priority was to get into a good college, um, really, um, on a secular level to succeed. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I went to college, um, it, it was easy for me to fall away from the faith. Um, there wasn't anything that was interesting to me because, um, you know, other things were a priority. Yeah. Um, so... I fell away from the Lord, and then uh, for several years, and then I went to U of M uh, for a master's. And after just uh, so many years of um, wandering the college campus, and you know, after accomplishing you know one thing after other, having many friends, and you know, going to parties, I just look at my ceiling in my bed and just be like, "Is this?" what life has in store for me like i felt like i've accomplished everything that i needed to accomplish i had a lot of friends um, that i thought you know liked me and i like them and um, it was just i felt empty like this cannot be what you know the rest of my life will be it's like what is the next thing that i need to do so um so i talked about this bible study um in in college so One of my friends just kept on inviting me to go to Bible study, and um, I just said yes one day. It was in the middle, uh, in in the winter of 1999, and in that Bible study, it was kind of like, uh, you know, you need to choose Christ or uh, or not. And if you choose Him, you're going to have a life um, that's fulfilled. And what, was this
0: a Catholic Bible study? or It was
1: uh, um,
0: a non-denominational.
1: Non-denominational. Okay. And that was the first time. And, and someone uh, basically uh, shared with me the gospel message, or uh, what Catholics call it, the kerygma. Mm. And I've never heard it before.
0: Like, it's a fun word to say,
1: I think. Yeah. But, <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> you mean um, you never heard the word or you never heard the message? I've never
1: heard the message. Oh, interesting. Of, uh, you know, grade school and even through high school of um catholic teaching yeah. like i could tell you a little bit about the church or you know what happened in the bible but
0: but kind uh, of the narrative
1: of the narrative of jesus or even god like that right. god really loves me and even the effects of sin and um you know uh, why jesus died for for me and then like what my proper response would be
0: so so going to this bible study was that like um, like hearing that word convicted you. It did that, that night. It convicted me. Uh, I, and and you know, he said, "Okay." Yeah,
1: I I I I just remember I was walking on um the die I get at Michigan, and I looked up at the sky, and it was super cold, and I was just like, "Okay, you know, <laughs> if what I heard today is truth, and um, I'm gonna live a fulfilled life, then yes, like today, I'm gonna, you know." devote my whole life to you, and I'm not going back. And I think God took it. Yeah. It <laughs> was like, all right, I have you, and I'm going to give opportunities. So I started going to a Protestant church. And so so
0: how old, are, how old are you at the time?
1: I was probably— yeah.
0: You are in grad school? Undergrad? I was in
1: grad school, so 20.
0: You were 20 years old? Yeah. Okay.
1: And um, so I started going to a Protestant church and um, kind of learned how to pray. Um, just encounter Jesus uh, in a personal relationship. That was real big. i never heard of that before. Uh, Joined small groups and learned about accountability. I started, um, I was invited to go to Steubenville. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, at Steubenville, uh, one of the fathers, it was right before the procession, was just saying, okay, you know, just explaining Eucharistic adoration. I'd never been to one before. And it, it was just so new to me. Like, I've gone to mass before, and <laughs> I like I never knew that this was really Jesus. Um, like, for some reason, I never knew. And he said, "When I'm walking down the aisle, it's not a piece of bread. It's it's Jesus walking down the aisle." So, um, I this said, "This
0: is during the, procession during the procession for adoration, for adoration at, at the Steubenville conference."
1: So, as he's coming down the aisle, I was right at the aisle. I, it was like the scales fell off my eyes, and I was like, "It really is you." Hmm. And the closer he came, it was you know. I could, I started just sobbing and weeping, and uh, you know, um, I kneeled down. And when he passed me, like in my mind or what I saw was like his sandals walking by, and I was like, "That really is you." And wow. um, so I was a I was a changed um, person. I was like, okay, you know, that's you. That's what I'm looking for is like you, you know, personal relationship. It doesn't get closer than this. So um, I started going to Mass every day. I started going to uh, Eucharistic Adoration every day. So in Ann Arbor, there was a a chapel at Domino's Farms, which had that.
0: So by the time you met Kelly, you had been kind of walking in your faith for a number of years,
1: right? Uh, Yeah, I was.
0: Yeah. Kelly, can uh, w- tell us a little bit about how you came to be uh, uh, a, a missionary, joyful disciple of Jesus.
1: Sure,
3: um, I think that you know, I I grew up in the church. I grew up with um, total, you know, formation knowledge. I think I always joked with people that I knew the catechism better than some of the priests <laughs> <laughs> in my home diocese knew it. Um, But I was really blessed, like, to have, um, you know, my mom really form me in my faith. Um, So, you know, for me, I never really had um, kind of these big moments, you know, like that Ariel has these, like, St. Paul or St. Ignatius moments, and um, I didn't have that experience. Um, My experience was really just growing up in the church, kind of um, having a lot of knowledge of my faith, and... um, being convicted of my faith, but still not really knowing Jesus. And it's kind of a mystery how that can happen, because if you read deeply enough, it's all kind of comes back to who am I and who is God. Um, But um, in my childhood, I just had a lot of brokenness and a lot of woundedness that Mm. prevented me, I think, from really— understanding who God really was. And so, um it wasn't until probably my late teens that I finally um understood that in order for me to move forward with my relationship with God, I'd have to let God into these parts of my life that were so broken and so wounded. And you know, when you go through that, it's so painful. Like you just can't believe that there Number one, that he wants in to those places. Um, Number two, you're always kind of questioning, like, why do these things happen? You know, why did God allow this thing to happen to me or whatever? And um, to have to come to grips with that, the first step to that is let him in, you know, and let him him show you, you know. So it's kind of a a paradox. But um, once I really allowed him in to begin to heal different parts of my life, it was— From then on, that I really was a sold out, you know, disciple and really learned to walk, you know, in the ways of the Lord and really learned to be joyful in suffering and be joyful in, you know, anything that He has. So um, so is offering. this
0: like 13 year old Kelly? Is this 16 year old? Is this, this graduating is, high school? This is
3: 16 to 18.
0: Okay. Yeah. So those high school years. Angsty Kelly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: that, that like album that comes yeah. out those years. Okay. So yeah. you are finishing, you're like finished with college, mm-hmm. starting your job. You're finished with high school, starting college. When does overlap happen? So, um, I well, it, you know what? You t- already told this. That's April,
0: yes. yeah, 2006. yeah, yeah, two thousand six,
3: right? So,
2: mm-hmm. um, we met
3: at the Easter Vigil. Um, a friend of ours. Where? What church? In uh, at St. John's John. in Ypsilanti. Personally, I had dated, you know, several guys that were just kind of let downs in a lot of ways and I was kind of like I'm done with this life like what I was nothing here for me it's just me and Jesus just me and you from now on and um and so and
0: Ariel came on <laughs> and the clouds parted <laughs> and-
2: Angel song. you know
3: smoke. I it it wasn't no. exactly like that but there were elements of that like when I met him and and you know we were t- our first conversation you know is about John Paul II who we both felt like was our best friend even though you know we never met him um and I was like, okay, you know, he he loves JP, too. That's awesome. And then we went into the church, and then I said to him, you know, like, hey, I know you're probably looking for the tabernacle. Well, it's hidden. You know, it's over there in this side chapel, and, you know, when you walk by, make sure that you genuflect. You know, just got <laughs> like, to okay. put him right. You know, because I had no idea. Like, does he know his faith, does he not? Um, but anyway, so after the Mass, we um, I made my way to the chapel to just pray for a little while after Mass, and he was the only other person in there, mm. and so it was the two of us in there. That now, was the first. Now that first... you told him where it was, yeah. Now, <laughs> now that he could locate it, he went there. But that moment stuck out in both of our minds. Like, oh, yeah. this is something. Like this person is here. Um, but we, then
0: we're both on the same kind of wavelength of right. faith, yeah. right? Right. That's more than just kind of this is something I'm fulfilling my obligation on totally. Easter or whatever. But totally. Like, this is something I want to spend time with the Lord. Yes, mm-hmm.
3: yes. Yeah. But I think, you know, the fact that, you know, we both kind of come from brokenness and we both kind of come from, whether it's, you know, decisions that we've made or things that have happened, the fact that we ended up in that place at that time really was a gift from God. And, you know, we thank Him for that really sincerely and praise Him like, It wasn't something that I did or something that he did right, you know, that like allowed Mm -hmm. us to be in that position. It was God's gift. So from there, you know, we kind of just contacted each other a little bit. And then um, eventually, okay, we kind of decided this is either going to be a really distracting friendship (laughs) or a relationship. So let's discern it. So we decided, okay, we were all in. We're going to discern marriage and then it was quick it was like we you know we were engaged eight months later married Whoa. nine months later first baby nine months later like the lord wasted no time kind of putting yeah. it all together
2: yeah. i know that this is like a, a short version so like it sounds so great but would you guys be like would you be so kind as to maybe speak to the parts that were challenging like yeah. like well, was I, it like him forever this light rainbows <laughs> all around him or were you like i mm, I still am not sure. Like, where where was that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I would happily speak about that. In fact, the whole point of me ever telling that initial story Mm -hmm. is to tell people that the Lord was there. He was in that moment and ordained it. He wasted no time preparing us for the cross that is marriage. And so right away, we started having um, some difficulty with our families um, accepting the situation and um, that it had moved really quickly and that um, there's an age gap between the two of us and two different cultures. And yeah. there's just so many issues right away. Yeah. So there were times definitely where we, in fact we sat down with our best, a group of our best friends and we said to them, are we, you know, are we crazy here? Cause there were mm. so many things kind of in our ears, like this is not going to work. Are we crazy here? Like if you see something really horrible about what we have going on, Say it to us because,
0: and and these were you said your best friends, but they were also people walking with totally. the Lord, right? Totally. I mean, they were and totally, we their yeah,
1: advice, and we just we just pre- presented it in front of them. It's like, are we moving too fast? Is this, um, you know, what do you guys think yeah. about this relationship? And um,
3: they were actually the ones you know. that confirmed it for us. Like, well, really, they were the ones that said to us, "No, no, 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 no." no. The Lord has a, he has a plan here. Like, you need to trust in the Lord. He has a plan.
1: And a few of them, like, right at the beginning, they just, they kind of, like, um, hazed um, Kelly. They were just like, oh, you know, you (laughs) probably just liked him. You just like him because he's a doctor or, um, you know, whatever. And and Kelly really had to prove her, like, kind of love for me to, like, my friends. Yeah.
0: They um, were looking they, out for you. They Dye were, looking for you. Yeah, yeah. They really were. <laughs> they yeah. Were. I mean.
3: And now, of course, they're like.
2: Our biggest like advocates, yeah, yeah it's exactly right. They all stood in the wedding. But that's kind yeah. of like good friendship too, or people who are like, okay, let's keep it real. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. let's keep it one hundred. I think the kids say. One, I was gonna kind of
2: say that, but then I was like, I'm not sure, Father Steve. Knows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Father Steve can take.
0: That. I know so things. I, I
2: like dial it down.
1: So Look at you. yeah, I know things. Yeah. So, so with th- that, um, just that reassurance, or like that knowing that God wanted this and our closest friends who were also praying about this, um, that confirmation kind of gave us a little bit of strength to endure some of the um, you know, family problems or sure. cultural problems and um and it was just moving so fast. So yeah. For yeah. everyone else. For, For us it else. didn't
3: seem to be we were like, well this is, you know, we know this is what God wants and we can do it. So we're gonna you know, we're gonna go ahead.
0: So let me ask you guys, like Kelly, what in what way, as we talk about this being like your growing as disciples, in what yeah. way did Ariel uh, meeting him and now being married for eleven years? Yes. Uh, in what way has that helped you be a disciple of Jesus and follow follow Christ in the church?
3: Yeah, I really. And I'm going to ask
0: Ariel the same question. Yeah,
3: too. I would say that um, initially. Ariel was the first man that I ever met that I thought to myself, we could get to heaven together. Mm. And the thought had never occurred to me with any other man I'd ever met in my life, like dating, not dating, whatever, never occurred to me. And at the time, the only thing that I understood about it was that he had a capacity for suffering. And now <laughs> 11 years later, 11 years and six children later
0: that's grown yeah <laughs> no.
3: I have pieced it together a little bit more of um you know Ariel having an understanding um of eternity of us being able to kind of point everything that we're doing toward eternity and that automatically means that there's going to be many deaths on the way, on the way um, to heaven, and so um, for for Ariel, it seems as though his capacity for um, suffering and his capacity for self sacrifice is never ending. And if his selfishness starts to kind of get the best of him, I have to remind him of eternity and let the selfishness dies. It's like automatic. And so yeah. as a you know, as as his spouse, it really does challenge me to look around and go, okay, I may not be doing the same thing that he's doing every day. But where where is my selfishness in, in the family? You know, what am I? Where am I putting myself first? Where am I ignoring the needs of the children because I have something else going on or whatever? You know, um, so that has been huge in just teaching us or teaching me anyway. Love.
0: Awesome. You know? yeah. hey, Ariel, how has uh, Kelly helped you follow Christ more closely?
1: Just her unselfish love for me. Um is what allows me to, you know, reciprocate, like, um, myself to her um, and, like, and love her the same way. Um, and also, like, with our children, it's just, um, it for me, it's amazing because yeah. um, growing up, there's always been conditions, um, you know, uh, feeling like I'm not good enough, like, I have to succeed at this or... Um, I have to be the best in this sport. And and,
0: and she shows you what that
1: unconditional love looks like. And she shows me that. And I, it's just amazing. That, um, like, I don't have to be anything but myself with my amen. wife. Amen. Yeah. That's
0: beautiful. All right, let's talk about Unleash the Gospel, Kelly and Ariel. For those of you who are following along at home... Kelly and Ariel are profiled in the pictures on Uh-oh. page 39 to 41, <laughs> if you want to put uh, Barbara Streisand and Papa Moana uh, in a picture way. Um, so uh, let me just start out by asking you, uh, did you know about the Synod as it was going to, going on? Was that part of um, what you were kind of following in the church at that time?
1: Yeah, we... Um even prior to the Synod, um, we were kind of following Archbishop Vigneron because he was doing some stuff. And, like, I'd tell Kelly, it's like, did you read this? Did you read what he just said? Or, um, you know, he he had a of reparation. It's yeah. like, what, yeah. what is this about? And this is awesome. Yeah, And then um, we were— already starting to get involved with um, our parish, St. Joseph's. St.
0: Joseph the Worker in Lake Orion. In Lake yeah. Orion,
1: yep. And we got invited to uh, brainstorm uh, ideas for Synod 16. So um, so you
0: were part of the parish gathering yeah. where they said, we want to hear your thoughts about what should be some of the propositions that come up at the Synod. And so did you know Unleash the Gospel was coming out like you – you knew this pastoral letter. Well, would, we didn't would know the happening. pastoral
1: letter was going to. We knew the synod was happening, and then we knew something was coming out of. The yeah, synod. I,
0: I remember they kept the title real hush yeah. hush. Yeah, they <laughs> did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so it came out on Pentecost of 2017. Do you remember reading it first, uh, Kelly? The first time you kind of
3: you know read it. I, to be honest, I was like. I, we were at the Pentecost Mass when, uh, with the Archbishop, when he talked about it a little bit, and I was like, "This is so amazing!" and I'm going to read it as soon as I can. And then, like a week went by, and I was like, "Haven't read it." <laughs> and, and then, uh, my husband he kept coming home, and he was like, "Hey, have you read it? You got to read it. You got to read it." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it." He was like, "No, sit down today and read it. It's so great." I'm like, "Okay." So finally, within a week or so, you know, we both were able to to sit down and read it, and I'll tell you, you know, we really saw the movement of the Holy Spirit through from, you know, from the beginning, kind of, we mark the beginning anyway uh, with the Mass of Reparation as kind of like, wow, something big is happening here. And then, you know, the Archbishop calling for a new Pentecost, and then, um the, the synod and then the announcement of Solanus Casey's beatification yeah. and then the letter. And then we were like, this is everything. It's the culmination of the last couple of years of what the Holy Spirit's been doing in the archdiocese. I,
0: I have a good priest friend who was telling me at the time, um, uh, he would say to me, hey, just remember, these are the good old days. Like, like God's got it. God's got more in store for mm. us, yes. but like yes. we're gonna look back at this totally. time yeah. and say like these are the good old days. Totally and I, I just love that because it it kept getting me hyped up yes. for all the the mass for pardon, yeah. the synod,
2: so awesome, the
0: beatification, and all that led up to that, and of yeah. course the pastoral letter of unleash the gospel that yes. that becomes a movement.
2: Yeah, so so this comes out, we move forward from this. And I'd really I there are like are so many things I'd love to ask you guys, but one of them is coming from the lens of who you are as family. So through this lens, family lens, what does it mean for you? This message of encounter girl witness, this message of joyful missionary disciples, this message of no bystanders, like you are raising children to to be next generation, and you yourself are are active members of the church. What do all of these things mean for you in this vocation that you have? It was huge for us. I think, um, you know, the first thing that we
3: kind of noticed or really took in and took to heart was how do we model our family's efforts at evangelization after what we're seeing the archbishop do? Hmm. And, and what is he doing? Now we see in the in the letter, what is he saying? Okay. What, what instruction is he giving us? I think as families, it's really easy to become really closed in on yourself Mm. um, because it's difficult and you're being pulled in so many different directions. You have to make sure the kids are really intelligent and you have to make sure they're athletic or they're musical or they're creative or you're encouraging their, you know, psyche. You want to make sure they're healthy. You're just pulled in so many different directions that I think oftentimes forming children to be um, future leaders in the church and teaching them how to evangelize is totally missed. And then you become an adult, you know, raised Mm -hmm. in a great family, but that's confused or lost and has no direction as to where to start. And so the messages that the Archbishop has for us in this letter, you know, basically for us was like, no time, you know, can be wasted and don't underestimate what God can do with your family even though a lot of them are little or like, I'm a stay at home mom, you know, I don't meet new people every day, you know, (laughs) but what can I do, you know? So to know that there are different things that I could do, um, was really encouraging for me.
1: Yeah. So when I first read this, um, you know, he's talking about like, uh, an overhaul of how things are going to change in the archdiocese um, from, like, maintenance to more mission. Yeah. And then as I continue to read it, uh, like in guide post, guide post 7, he says, families are at the very heart of our archdiocesan efforts. And that resonated in my heart. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, grow, uh, growing a family, being married— I felt a lot of times just isolated from the church because, um, you know, we'd bring all our children and we'd get comments all the time. Mm. we get comments everywhere we You'd go. you get comments at church? Yeah, sometimes. Or, you know, can you bring your like, child?
0: Like, oh, that's a beautiful family. Thanks for coming <laughs> to church. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, <laughs> yes. Or, uh, you, or, or what What else? Like, are you uh, done? Honestly? Are you <laughs> done? Church, you um, okay. Yeah. Are yeah. you done? Yeah.
1: Fussy, sh- fussy baby people turn around and look at you and um, so
3: don't you know we have a cry room um you so know, you feel like you're, yeah. you're
1: trying to follow god's will mm-hmm. open to life uh and his plan for marriage and creation and um but at the same time like you're Ex- you're, you're experiencing something else and you're
0: experiencing you- unusually ingracious or ungracious <laughs> hospitality <laughs> right? at times right and yeah then
1: to hear that Things are going to change, and then the family. Uh, there's going to be focus on it, and then to hear our pastor at St. Joe's say, "We're going to focus on the family. We're you know to start implementing, unleash the gospel." So it's not just he writes this letter and it's done. But right, you it's know, not
3: just like an inspirational letter. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but you know every parish is going to follow unleash the gospel. So for us, it's it's great, but um it it makes us um, serious about raising our children and, yeah and changing the culture of of our family to everything that we do is um, is Christ-centered um we're, we're Catholic like we pray every day or we make it a point to pray so, or teaching moments um, uh, on things like so-
0: yeah, I just want to ask you about fatherhood. So like I, I've known you guys for a few years here. and um, one of the images I'll never forget, Ariel, we went golfing maybe it was two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were coming back back to your place for lunch afterwards. Uh, Kelly and all the kids were there and I got in front of you somehow so I think I was like first pulling into your driveway and all the kids were outside waving and like hi and I'm like oh that's so awesome they're waving to me and then I pull in and they're still there they're they're waving for their dad they were so excited dad's coming home They, they it was like this awesome like greeting party at home and it just it was this beautiful image of how much their kids your kids love their dad can you talk about what it means to be a father, what it means to be a dad in kind of the culture we have now and how Unleash the Gospel really calls you to be a, a father, to take that kind of primary responsibility, to be the head of your family and to help your your children know and follow Jesus and to learn what it means to be a man?
1: Yeah. So um, I really take that seriously, um, just that their eternal souls are, you know, is loved by God and also I have a responsibility to um, bring them closer to God and, and, take them and bring them to heaven. So um, when I think Pope Benedict talks about, you know, co-responsibility for the faith, what that means is I'm co-responsible, f- you know, to help bring these children, um, raise them in the faith, help them to encounter Jesus, not just teach them about the faith, but to really help them understand who Jesus is, experience him, and then um, and, and have our kids own own their own faith. So a um, couple things for, for me is I have to have a good prayer life. Um, everything starts off with prayer. Like I can um, wish and try to do, you know, and be the best father, but... If if I don't have a good prayer life, if God is not the center of everything I do, mm-hmm. then um, it's not. It, it's going to be on a foundation that's weak, and, and
0: and not just as an example, right? The example yeah. part is huge, but also the reality, the reality of building of, your life. Like
1: I have to take um, holiness seriously. So for me, um, all the challenges that every man uh, struggles with, so. Um, Purity. Um, I have to myself be pure, and um, how do I do that? So uh, strong prayer life, accountability with uh, other brothers in Christ, and um, just a resolve to to really be pure and and with an active will to love God, not uh, be unchaste. So that helps with my relationship with my wife. Um, And then it also is a good example for my boys to— know what self-control is is like because they see their father um have self-control and the way i deal with other women um other persons um i deal with people with you know um with a lot of respect so
0: showing your boys but also like showing your your daughters daughters, right
1: my girls how they're supposed to be treated yeah so um
0: what they should expect from a man as they grow into Exactly. thinking about those relationships so
1: prayer life and then working on personal holiness and then from there um i can work on you know helping my kids grow but i do try to teach them about truth um uh, because there's a lot of lies um in the world like um we're bombarded by lies on, on how to live what to believe in and what happiness looks what like. happiness looks yeah, like so who we are and who we are yeah. like yeah. our identity so i think you know i try to ingrain in them just certain truths um of, of who they are like they're loved by god and you know how does he show us you know basically the kerygma i'm i'm trying to live the kerygma yeah uh, mm-hmm. with my children and then taking it to who else loves you like unconditionally like you know mommy and daddy love you unconditionally like there's nothing you can do or say that will st- stop us from loving you the same way.
2: Yeah. Is there um, anything, because we talk about like the countercultural message of the gospel. Um, is there anything that you see that you feel you are teaching your children that's countercultural to what they've already experienced at their young ages? I think that um, I would say the the first thing is probably um, Christian
3: leadership in general. I would say that a lot of kids, especially um in the grade school middle school mix are all kind of followers and it's Mm -hmm. rare to find one that stands out and says no this is what's right and we're going to do it and so we've seen um you know giving the kids little responsibilities and kind of stepping back and watching how do they handle different situations um you know talking to them about um what their friends are talking about and what's going on at soccer and what's going on after school and um, kind of helping them hey try this with your friend next time try saying that you know try doing this and then the next day revisiting it hey did you try that thing and then yeah i did and so we've seen with the, the several of the older kids <laughs> who are 10 <laughs> how old your oldest so, so oldest is 10 okay yeah. so 10 9 7 6 4 2 and then new baby in June. Yeah,
2: so, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: You heard it here so, first. Yeah. Breaking, <laughs> breaking news.
2: Open door policy. <laughs> Open door policy. Yeah, yeah.
4: Um,
3: But so with the older, you know, couple, so you know, between ages ten to already the six year old. Um, just the other day, you know, someone at soccer was joking about um, they, the kids were talking openly about prayer. Yeah, we pray. Yeah, we pray before we, we, we go to bed. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the kids are like, what? You do what? And then my son Max said, "We pray. We like to pray for the poor souls in purgatory. That's our favorite. Him and Ah, Judah. You know, that's our." And then one of the kids is kind of mocking him. Oh, poor souls in purgatory. Whatever the heck that means, you know. And here comes the six-year-old Judah, and he points his finger at this kid's face and says, "Hey, it's not funny to joke about God."
0: Wow. And then
3: just was kind of over you know
0: but judah dropping uh, right like that's the end of that conversation (laughs) guys
3: but really as a parent to see like what could happen with that is to encourage a child you did the right thing Mm -hmm. when it was hard to do the right thing yeah and that's what it takes to be a leader you know so just encouraging those little things that they're doing that eventually will bloom into something that is okay being countercultural you know that's okay I realize we're not living the way that other people maybe choose to live and that's okay you know
2: yeah and in the same vein um with Ariel as and fatherhood what do you see in as your role as mother and of these children especially when it comes to um I
3: think daily habits um That's a huge responsibility that I have. Um, So kind of along the same lines, you know, teaching them leadership is something that I take really seriously. I think, you know, as parents, as Christian parents, all of us are looking down the line at this rabid culture that we're sending our kids out into. And it's almost like you have the choice to do everything now that you can and then continue to rely on prayer and the sacraments. Or to just kind of wait and see what happens. Well, we're really trying to be proactive about um, forming them. So I'm really responsible for forming their conscience, um, you know, when they choose right. And, you know, um, encouraging yeah. them to choose right. Um, it's a beautiful dynamic. I think Ariel really, really focuses on um, uh, encouraging them to live in the truth. And so you hear the kids will say things like, you know, the, oh, one of the kids will say, I'm the worst. And Mm -hmm. then another kid will come in and say, that's not true, that's a lie. Mm -hmm. And just to live in that for a minute, like, wow, that's, as an adult, you're like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, show up in my life, Yes, (laughs) yes, it's so beautiful. So, but then to see that same kid, you know, smack his sister upside the head three seconds later. So it's kind of like, okay, those normal things are happening in our house. There's constant fighting. There's constant mess. There's constant, you know, it's just never ending. So to kind of have a plan for each individual child to see, okay, this one has these gifts and maybe these defects. How can we teach this child, you know, prudence? How can we (laughs) teach this child so that when they are adults, you know, that they won't be... Uh, that virtue will not be a mystery to them, that they will have already kind of been in the in the practice of it. Um, and then again, you know, the focus on leadership. What can you do to be a leader in this situation? Even if you're kind of the quiet kid, you know, or even if you're maybe unsure of yourself in this situation, what gifts is God giving you and what's he asking of you in this situation? Um, just to kind of get the, the wheels spinning in their heads.
0: Yeah. So, I'm reading here in Unleash the Gospel Marker 7.2 about evangelizing within the family. And it talks about family traditions and uh, things that are done in the family that show the faith as being a priority. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think about my own family, Danielle. I know you grew up in a strong mm-hmm. Catholic family. For <laughs> us, kind of one of the. We prayed the rosary together every night.
2: Did you really? We did.
0: So we would look uh, at the
2: fruit of that. Look at the yeah. so, rosary right here. Yeah. So
0: so we real. would we would have um, the we would. Watch Jeopardy together at seven thirty. Oh
3: my goodness, She's the cutest! And thing.
0: then we would. In my mind, everyone looks like you. So yeah, yeah. like a bunch of <laughs> right, redheads. right. We would watch Jeopardy together and then pray the rosary together every night, Love and that it. was just like the family tradition yeah. that we would do. And if someone would call, the phone, like you know, before yeah. cell phones, yeah, yeah. the wall. I remember my my mom saying, like, "Who's calling during the rosary? Yeah. Don't they know?" world <laughs> you're like mom we haven't told anyone that we do this in our family but i look back now and i'm so grateful yeah. to my parents for all the sacrifices and all that kind of like whining and complaining and yeah. excuse making we yes. did as kids to yes. try to get out of it or yes. or to not be part of that but now what a great fruit yeah or what a great mm-hmm. blessing that was that's born fruit in my mm-hmm. siblings in my life you know just like and the
2: thing that like i think about is is what became considered normal because mm-hmm. when you're a child, it's yes. like you think this stuff exactly. is normal. So, we, and that's what
0: you want to do, right? Exactly. This exactly. is what our family does. Right. This exactly. is how
2: we do things. So we, my, before we would go to bed, there was like my dad had this um kid Bible, you know, and like yeah. every day of the year was a different like part of the Bible story. But it's like, it's like easier you know but we still went through everything like we went through like first and second kings you know with jezebel and it was like illustrated um but it was really interesting because i remember when i got into like seventh and eighth grade and talking to the kids who were my peers and them not knowing what i thought were like the easy stories like no one knows you don't know about Boaz. yeah (laughs) like like, I was like, okay, I'll give you a pass. The Elijah, Elijah handoff of cloak was a right. little bit obscure. <laughs> right. But when they didn't know, like, the story of Pentecost, like, you know, I'm like, you don't know that. Like, yeah. that's a normal thing to know. You right. Know? I thought it was. But right. But it's cool. I'm, like, so thankful for that fruit that was hard. I know yes. it's hard, guys. And and, yes. and parents
0: yeah. made a decision to say, this is yes. how we're going to live. Yes. As, as you have six kids, seven yes. on the way, right? Yes. It's so easy, I'm sure, for you to say, well, we're going to skip this tonight or this right. today or not. Right. Like, Can you talk about anything you've put in place in your life? Can to I ask say? about
2: a specific one yeah. that we were talking about earlier? How do you do Sundays? Sunday. Sunday is is a whole big thing in our house, I
3: think. Um, so, you know, Sunday we have our Mass um, that we go to. and But our kids, you know, our kids go to daily Mass. And so for them, we're trying to get it away from it's just another day. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're trying to get it like this is a special day. Um, so some things that we've been trying to do in the last year, especially after reading kind of the Archbishop's plan for – um, reclaiming Sunday as the Lord's Day is um, so first thing in the morning, Sunday Mass. We've been doing like donuts right after Mass, which is like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the kids are super into it, like this family thing that we've been doing. Um, but, what you know, what it causes us to do is just to pause. Like we come home and then we just pause and we have our coffee and our donuts and the kids are just hanging out and we're not really doing anything. As a mom, I try to get most of the big things done before Sunday so mm-hmm. that, you know, Sunday we can just kind of relax and we're not in the big rush with homework and, you know, laundry and dishes and all of it, just try to get as much as I can done. Um, but then Ariel really takes the charge of, like, we are hanging out like this is what we're doing today we're spending the day as a family you know so he'll take the charge with either we go on a family hike or we just lounge around in the living room together which you know may sound like nothing but for Mm -hmm. a family of this size who's running in a million different directions all week it's the one time you know where we get just us you know
0: that's awesome that's great Before we close, uh, we always offer our guests a chance. Is there any final thing you want to say, any prayer or any special devotion you just want to, you want to share with uh, all of our listeners here at Open Door Policy?
3: Well, I guess I would just really like to encourage, um, all the listeners. I think that, um, in the time that we're living, I think that, um, it's really important for all of us to just remain really hopeful in what the Lord has for us and, um, and for me, you know, Unleash the Gospel really gave me a little bit more hope moving forward. You know, we can rely on the Lord and his strength. And, and, then, and then secondly, just never underestimate what God can do. Like if God can use a stay-at-home mom of six kids, it's, like, it's laughable because it's just like I'm so hidden. and you know, But like if he can use me, he can really use anybody. And, and so really that too, just don't underestimate what God can do.
1: Be confident that the Holy Spirit is working here. And in the words of John Paul II, uh, be not afraid. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being
0: on Open Door
1: Policy, Kelly
0: and Ariel. Thank you for having Thank
3: you. us.
0: Man, that was so inspiring to hear from Kelly and Ariel about how they strive to be the mom and dad that image uh, God's love for their children. How they strive to make their family a domestic church. And how Kelly and Ariel are committed to following Jesus in their lives and being joyful missionary disciples. Thanks for being a listener and coming along with us for season one of Open Door Policy. We'll be back in February with season two, and we'll have more amazing guests, including Archbishop Vigneron. Please pray for us, and we'll be praying for you.
2: Be sure to subscribe and like us on iTunes and to bring your friends along for the ride. And if the Holy Spirit has inspired you while listening today, be sure to pass this episode along to someone else who might enjoy it. Open Door Policy was recorded and produced at Sacred Heart Major Seminary for the Archdiocese of Detroit by Ron Pangborn, who is always smiling because... I've been thinking about bagels,
0: like, round the clock. I'm Father Steve Pullis with Danielle Center,
2: And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy.